here we are bradley stalder stack hunters pros versus joes we've got it all on crossover week bradley how's it going how excited are you for this i'm so stoked like i've been mowing my grass for good luck just because hopefully it brings me a championship that's what i'm striving for is mowing the grass getting a nice lawn it there's nothing like having all the perf- the things in line in perfection and maybe just a straight cut line lawn will be the good luck charm that I need for tonight's draft. Is that supposed to be lucky as a fresh lawn? It's good to have a fresh lawn, but I didn't know that was lucky. <laughs> we'll find out whether it comes to fruition in this draft here, Jack. What about the uh, no rabbit's foot, no horseshoe? It's just the, the, the mowed lawn. That's what we're going with. <laughs> That's what we're going with for tonight. I can dig it. I can absolutely dig it. The fans in the audience are excited. Jose Pena, is this best ball or redraft league? It's a good question, Jose. Shout out to Jose, by the way. A faithful, faithful follower of me over to Player Profile. Also great in the chat. Great questions in the DMs. Jose, this is a traditional best ball style of draft so it's 20 rounds ffpc tight end premium start one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers your one tight end but again tight end premium and then two flex spots 20 rounds it's going to be electric tonight there's some great studs that i'm drafting against here in the pros versus joe's draft yeah there are some very very smart very very talented people Jamie Perogue is excited to see you take them on. Mark Conception wants to know what the settings are, and I think he covered that for the most part. But yeah, so uh, the the that's the scoring and everything like this. So it's full PPR. I said tight end premium. That's the FFPC moniker. But this is a enclosed eighty four team uh, tournament. So seven leagues, twelve teams per league, and the winner gets an $1,800 entry into a main event next year on the FFPC. So there are only seven of these division winners. You win or go home. That You you have to swing for upside. You have to swing for the big plays. But it's also, there's not going to be as much stacking. You're not going to see it as much as maybe in the best ball streets on underdog or maybe in some of the larger tournaments you play in. So this is a more enclosed league, only 84 total teams in this tournament. The top seven, one per division, get the crown. So lots of bragging rights. This has been going on for 13 years, Mark. Lots of fun. Check out fantasymojo.com. They've got a whole the, the whole history of it. So lots of fun here on the Stack Hunters podcast tonight jack you are doing crossover week tell us a little bit about that before we get into the draft oh crossover week has been absolutely phenomenal to start it kicked off i was hosting actually no sorry it kicked off with billy doing his pros vote versus joe's draft last night he conquers that then this morning i host wake and take which is the daily show hosted by jason allwine tonight jason allwine host player profiler today which is the daily show hosted by me tomorrow i've got justin boone from the score coming on the show on wednesday matt babich and matt kelly matt and matt are hosting player profiler today and then the pod father matt kelly myself and theo are all on the dynasty roundtable 
And for the first time ever, the first time in nine years, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe that the Mind of Mansion show has been on for nine years. And for the first time ever, the Podfather's not the host. It can't be. It can't be, Jack. Who could host? Who could take over for the Podfather? Ah, you'll have to tune in and find out. It's going to be a great week. Make sure you're using that hashtag Dynasty Week. But before we get more into that uh, word from the Podfather. Hey, it's the Podfather. I have great news. The 2023 Draft Kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. Individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Love the draft kit. It is one of the best things possible. Jamie Perogue has been using it, has been crushing it over on Underdog. Justin Boyd is happy to be here and excited to see you crush it here in Pros versus Joes. Let's go. Do you agree with Justin that Travis Kelsey, if he's gone by five, but you're taking Kelsey at five if he's not? Kelsey is definitely on the radar in the first five picks. I won't give anything away but he's certainly in consideration there. We've got some really strong drafters. Not only do we have the Joes who are selected amongst some of the best in the main event of the FFPC, but there are some industry pros as well. I want to give some shout outs to John Hansen, Derek Brown, Pete Overzet is in this draft. He's drafting in the seven hole. Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland are in the nine spot. Nelson Verbit in the 11 spot. We've got a, a whole host of amazing guys in the industry who are going to duke it out in this best ball tournament. And I want to make sure y'all are checking out Stack Hunters. So normally Stack Hunters is on Tuesdays. And in fact, this is a special bonus episode this week, crossover week. I had already planned before Theo had crossover week in, in his mind. I had already secured Justin Herzig to join Stack Hunters tomorrow. So from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, there is the regularly scheduled Stack Hunters with special guest Justin Herzig, winner of the first Best Ball Mania tournament. So make sure you guys are tuning in to that episode as well. Make sure if you're checking it out 
on the podcast as well. We're there on Apple. We're on the Spotify. We're everywhere, Jack. Where isn't Player Profiler these days? It, it's literally everywhere. Everywhere you can get your podcast. That's why we always post the pod link to every one of our quote graphics so you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us. But of course, YouTube is the number one place to find us. That is where it's best. You can see our pretty faces as well as listen to our dulcet tones. But Justin Herzig, man, that is big. That is going to be a phenomenal show. Everyone has to tune in for that. And we're about to get started here, aren't we? We are. The draft is supposed to start at 9 o'clock. It looks like we have a straight green lights across the starting board. So it looks like everyone is ready. We're going to get started here in the matter of seconds. And and, and are you taking Bijan? <laughs> Three Bijan is a little crazy right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't co-sign that. Oh, man. Jamar Chase. Chase. Woo! At 101, Jamar Chase. Wow. That is... And Kelsey at two. Is Debro... What is he doing over there? What do you think Debro is doing drafting, hopefully, Justin Jefferson? I think it'll be Jefferson, the 103. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. They are just up there. It's, it's those two and it's Travis Kelsey. And then I imagine it's Christian McCaffrey here. Maybe it's Bichon if Juan's in this draft. So the ADP indicates that Christian McCaffrey would be the next player up. But I've seen things get wild after these first three. We'll see where it ends up going, Jack. But what happens here, this is why, yeah. Cooper Cup goes at four. And now I've got a decision to make because I had another name written down here. And my guy is still there. And maybe this is this is bleak maybe this is overthinking it but i am going to select tyreek hill at the 105 we're gonna go hill full ppr hill set career highs and targets last year and this is a heck of a an offense this is year two under coach mike mcdaniel so i'm looking forward to massive spike weeks for tyreek hill i think a full season of tua will be also a very powerful thing. And we'll see how the rest of the draft goes. I'm still not willing to take a lot of running backs in the first round. I'm looking for reasons to take wide receiver. Jack, yeah, I'm I oh, but let's look at 106. Bijan goes over McCaffrey as the 101 for running backs. Juan called it. Juan called it. The the first RB off the board is Bijan Robinson. But back to Tyreek Hill. The one thing you didn't mention is that earlier today, he settled with the assault, alleged assault. So that's just out the window now. We don't have to worry about it. We are all good. Tyreek Hill is going to be playing 17 games, and he's going to be lighting the world on fire. Oh. And you did a thread on wide receivers recently about how – there is a lot of false narratives around wide receivers and how stable they are. But with Tyree kill, he's stable and he has the biggest upside in the NFL. He's going for 2000 yards. If you ask him, look, that would be great for my best ball team here. Last year, Tyreek Hill was number two among all wide receivers in rate of flex weeks at 68.6%. So I'm huge on Tyreek Hill. He also had a 27% rate of top five weeks, which was third, fourth, 
take that back. It was fourth behind Cup, behind Devontae Adams, and behind Justin Jefferson. So for me to get Tyreek Hill at 105, I'm happy with it. I'm pretty happy with it. As you should be. And it looks like that floating fecule at the back of the draft here at 12 likes this Miami Dolphins offense too. Jalen Waddle off the board. Austin Eckler goes after Christian McCaffrey. It's those three big running backs. Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jalen Waddle. Going how you expect, except for Nick Chubb over Garrett Wilson. That kind of catches me off guard. But people are getting really into Nick Chubb, aren't they? They are, and I think for good reason. There's no competition back there in the Cleveland backfield. There's been some love from beat reporters for Jerome Ford. We haven't seen much from Jerome Ford to think that there's much to warrant, uh, much more than a 15%, 20% touch rate. So I think it's going to be Nick Chubb handling as much as he can at this point. And we think that the Browns offense is not only going to be get better, but we're also going to be in game environments where they're going to have to lean on Chubb, not only as a rusher, but as a passer pass catcher as well. And looking into some of the comments here, people are wondering, is Chris Alave a first rounder? Clearly not in this draft. And Randy Miller wants to know why Alave is going over guys like Pollard or Chubb. Have you seen much of that? Because I have not seen that yet. Yeah, no, I have not seen that. If anything, I've seen Olave. We saw it yesterday in Billy Muzio draft where Olave went in the third round. So that's not something that I've been. Billy Muzio's wow. dra- draft where he got Hill and Waddle to start. I oh my gosh, still. this is ridiculous. So this is an interesting spot. I you need to talk while I think about this. <laughs> All right, I can absolutely do that. We have Tony Pollard off the board. We have Jonathan Taylor off the board for running backs. Devonte Adams goes behind Garrett Wilson. That is a heated debate behind the scenes. That is Billy Muzio versus Matt Kelly. Matt Kelly believes that Garrett Wilson is going to struggle with Aaron Rodgers. Wilson, more of an improvisational route runner, and Aaron Rodgers likes his guys to be where he wants them to be at that exact moment. So that is going to be an interesting dichotomy. Peter Overzet takes Mark Andrews, the number two tight end off the board, and Bradley Stalder takes the big dog off the roof, board. Roof, roof, let's go. The big dog finished number one last year in rate of top five weeks among running backs. And he is a tier two running back for me that I'm getting at the 208. I'm happy with that. I think the signing of DeAndre Hopkins is an indicator that the Titans believe that they are competitors this year. And if they're competitors, who are they going to lean on to remain competitive? It's going to be Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry is a player that I'm pretty comfortable taking at this spot, given the other uncertainties at the position and who else is probably going to come back around to me Saquon now has fallen his ADP is 15 and now we're getting into pick 22 at this spot at this point Josh Jacobs also has the holdout concerns so Derrick Henry deserves to get moved up regardless but with those holdout possibilities I'm not willing to uh, take some chances on players like that when I know Derrick Henry can smash and he is built different. So I'm not worried about an age curve or anything. The, I, I was worried about five screws in his foot last year, and I faded the big dog, and it was a massive mistake. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. 
you're exactly on the same boat as I was. I was thinking he was inefficient last year and then he broke the foot and then he came back and he wasn't efficient and he's, he's getting up there in age, but I was wrong. I will not be wrong again. The Harry snowman is with us as well on Derrick Henry. And like you said, they are going for it. And even if they can't always lean on Derrick Henry, because they're going to be down in some games because the defense stinks, they're still going to be throwing the ball, which means there's going to be more trips to the red zone, which means more touchdown opportunity for Derrick Henry. So even if this isn't the 60% run team we've seen in the past, even if it's a 50-50 split, even if it's a 55% pass rate, 60% pass rate, Derrick Henry, because DeAndre Hawkins raises the ceiling of this offense in general, there's going to be more trips to the red zones. It is going to be worth it. And He's just, he's the bell cow of all bell cows. Underrated receiver too, honestly. Yeah, he leads all running backs in yards after yards per reception over the last couple of years. It's because people can't tackle him in the open field. It's something that the Titans like figured out last year. Hey, we should actually dump the ball off to this guy and he can make people miss or he can stiff arm people. We just saw a big, a big pick here, Jack. The three hundred one. Oh, Jerry Judy and back-to-back quarterbacks by Scott as well. The, this oh, draft man. is officially <laughs> off the rails. Brees Hall, Jerry Judy, Jalen Hurts, and then a Ramondre Stevenson too. Who he's got some issues behind him potentially if they sign Leonard Fournette what do you think about this so far holy this has gotten wild quickly Jack this is this is not your normal draft Judy normally does not go here normally Judy goes I don't know in the in the mid fourth round around the Debo's around Christian Watson and holy guacamole this is like these bizarre picks, this weird board is making it difficult. So Jack, I've got to enter the zone again. Of course, <laughs> of course. That's why that's why you have a co-host here so you don't have to talk your way through it. You can think your way through it and Jerry Judy over T Higgins. Jerry Judy over T Higgins is just absolutely nuts to me. Randy Miller believes that Judy is going bananas this season. I believe Jerry Judy is going to have a successful season. I think this is the year for him. But drafting him over T. Higgins, who we know is going to dominate every single year, I just, I don't understand that. As for Justin Boyd, thoughts on Brees this year? You're worried about the ACL. Love him, but every time I get him, I have hesitation. I am still in on Brees Hall. Brees Hall is going to start the season off slowly. And that is okay because he's going to be healthy by the end of the season. And that's when he could be a league winner. And who else? One player that's going to start way faster than Brees Hall is Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs versus the Detroit Lions on Thursday night. You know, they have drafts after that first game still, right? Jameer Mm -hmm. Gibbs is going to catch 10 passes against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he is going to be a first round pick. Look, Jameer Gibbs at running back 10, I I had him written down as my my player to target here in the third round. I'm hoping that there are some other values that'll come back to me. 
But just looking at how ADPs have shaped out, it made sense to take Gibbs there. And I think a lot of people are thinking, Bradley, why did you take Gibbs over Saquon Barkley? And I think that the Barkley holdout is something that I'm keeping in mind. And I'm willing to take a player that can equal the spike week upside of a Saquon Barkley without the risk of a holdout. I think that's how I view Jameer Gibbs. And I like Gibbs. We liked his we liked his profile. I thought he would be more of an early second round draft capital type of running back. But the Lions invested top 15 draft capital into him. If you search top 15 draft capital for running backs in your Twitter, you'll find all of the stats that you need to know about these running backs and how they almost never fail. It is virtually impossible aside from an injury for you to find a running back to fail. And so I've got high floor Derrick Henry, high ceiling Jameer Gibbs in full PPR. And I don't have the risks of this, the, the holdouts, the Saquon Barkley and the Josh Jacobs who go next. And I know that this is a little higher relative to where his ADP is, but I think mid third round is still fine for Jameer Gibbs and we like the Detroit Lions offense. We know that he's going to be splitting time with, with David Montgomery. But remember, last year, Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns and DeAndre Swift, DeAndre, Swift, DeAndre Swift still was more often than not the better fantasy option. And I love what you mentioned about Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs because I don't believe they're going to miss games. I think they're going to show up for week one but they're not going to show up for training camp. They're not going to be in football shape. That is a different thing than in shape. Saquon Barkley, a physical specimen, an absolute marvel, but he's not going to be in football shape. They are not going to be giving him 70, 80% of the workload in week one. They're not going to be doing that with Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs actually might hold out a couple games. He very well might skip a couple with the, oh, I'm going to stay healthy narrative, but it's just something you don't have to worry about. I believe Jameer Gibbs is going to get off to an extremely hot start. They don't have Jamison Williams, so he is going to potentially be the second option in the passing game to start the season. And even later in the season, he's, what, the third option in the passing game on one of the most pass-happy teams in the NFL? Pretty good. Look, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, we're we're encouraged by I live 25 minutes outside of the city of Detroit. They are buzzing for the Lions. They the Lions are the betting favorites for the division right now. CJ Gardner Johnson just avoided a major injury as well per field Yates. So that was like that was something that was very much on the minds of Maybe it's actually a good thing if these defensive players get hurt because maybe they'll get into more shootouts, but I would never wish injury upon any of those players. It's just some things to keep in mind that it, we need to take a stand. And, and I think that the Detroit Lions are going to be an offense you want to be targeting in your fantasy draft. So I did so here and Jameer Gibbs wasn't going to come back around to me. He's going to go ahead of Joe Mixon. He's going to go ahead of Travis Etienne. And I don't have a lot of shares of Jameer Gibbs, but here's an opportunity for me to take a player that I like the opportunity. I like the profile and I like the team environment so there we go Jameer Gibbs at the 3-5 I'm just a big fan of your start because you've got potentially the wide receiver one in Tyreek Hill 2,000 yard receiver Tyreek Hill then you have potentially the running back one with Derrick Henry Derrick Henry could be the running back one in any given year 
And then you have Jameer Gibbs. And not only do we have the history of running backs who have absolutely dominated being drafted in the top 15, we have a history of rookie running backs finishing as RB1s, dating back to Todd Gurley. He did it. We see it every year. Brees Hall would have been an RB1 in points per game last season had he finished the season. Kenneth Walker dominated last season. Every single year, we have running backs absolutely destroy, break out in fantasy football. Jonathan Taylor did it. It happens so often. So when you have a chance to draft Jameer Gibbs, who could very well finish as a top five running back in round three, I am all for it, especially the players that go after him. Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. I would rather have Jameer Gibbs over all of them. And Christian Watson, you talk about wide receiver one overall upside. I know there's the unsustainable touchdown rate. I understand that. What happens, though, when Christian Watson starts, Watson starts commanding more targets because he's the best damn player on the team? Oh, he is the best player on the Packers by far. What we're talking about, a 28, 29-year-old Aaron Jones? No. A.J. Dillon, who hasn't been able to do anything uh, behind Aaron Jones, he hasn't been able to supplant him? No. It's Christian Watson. Watson last year had one of the best wide receiver rookie years metric-wise, and that was with Aaron Rodgers having a broken thumb for half of the season. Most people don't realize that Aaron Rodgers had the broken thumb and that's why it was difficult for Watson to get those deep passes. A lot of what Watson did was actually closer to the line of scrimmage than you'd, th than you'd think. It was just that he was able to run away from other players because of his extreme athleticism. This is a, a, a player who, it, had he come down with a, the 75-yard the touchdown the first week, he would have had a 2.52 yards per route run, which would have put him in elite, elite company. We're talking top three, but he finished with 2.26, which is still extremely good. He had a, a top tier PFF receiving grade. And remember, remember just a couple years ago, there was another wide receiver that people said, oh, he can't sustain his production. Oh, he, I know he has a good PFF receiving grade. Oh, I know he has good yards per route run but we're doubting what production he has. And that was Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think Christian Watson is discount Amon Ross St. Brown, or at least pretty equivalent to what we're going to be getting on what we think is going to be a team who's going to have to throw to be keeping up. And yes, the, the defense is going to have to lead the team. And whenever your defense is going to have to lead the team, it means your defense is going to be put a lot of pressure on a lot of pressure on the defense and therefore, it's going to be a struggle. So I think that Christian Watson has the profile. He has the pedigree. He did it in year one. And I like his, like, we're talking best ball. We're not talking like, oh, do I need to set a start set lineup? No, it is. It's Christian Watson for me. I love him in the mid to back end of the fourth round especially as you said in best ball, because yes, the touchdown rate is unsustainable, but he is going to have two touchdown games. That is going to, that is a fact. Christian Watson will have probably multiple games with two touchdowns this season. Those are the spike weeks you want. And I truly believe his floor is a lot higher than people give him credit for. Oh, it was a small sample size. I get it. But he is now the wide receiver one. He is now the alpha. There is no one else in this passing game that comes anywhere close to Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs is not a threat. 
Jaden Reed is going to beat out Romeo Dobbs. He's going to eventually be the wide receiver too. But that just means Christian Watson's competing with a rookie wide receiver to be the wide receiver too. Christian Watson is an NFL alpha, much like Terry McLaurin, but he's got even more explosive upside. He can command targets like Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, who I like both of those receivers, but they just don't have the upside of Christian Watson, the, the four-touchdown game upside that Christian Watson has. Love that pick. I'd rather have him than Debo Samuel. I'd much rather have him than Calvin Ridley. The pod father has been on one about Calvin Ridley lately, and he's making some pretty good points. Tight ends have been flying off the board. George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts all off the board. And now Kenneth Ken Walker is off the board. RB of the Seattle Seahawks. I take it you're not worried about Zach Charbonnet. No, I'm not worried about Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> this is a this is the appropriate price for Kenneth Walker. If anything, it's a little bit low for Walker. I would have preferred to get Justin Fields there. That was a player I was targeting. But Kenneth Walker at this spot, it's good value. It also provides another either startable piece or Jameer Gibbs. If he start does start slow, we know it's going to be Kenneth Walker to start at the beginning. So now that I've got some running back heavy, I can be looking to wide receivers. And I think that there are going to be some wide receivers excuse me, coming back around. Um, but look, the the murderer's row of Lawrence, Herbert, and Fields, I think sniped me a little bit. I was not too pleased about losing out on one of those three because I was planning on taking Justin Fields with that particular pick. And and there's just a, there's a significant teardrop from Fields all the way down to the next, the next quarterback ADP-wise. So I'm just going to take my good old time and and wait until another quarterback comes back to me and and we'll figure it out later i think that's all right i think that's okay this happened to me in the scott fishbowl which is a two quarterback league and so i still got deshaun watson but he is a tier below justin fields justin herbert trevor lawrence but i think you're fine with kenneth walker kenneth walker you have three startable rbs one of them could be in your flex very well on a weekly basis. And then you can just load up on wide receivers, chase those, those upside weeks upside from Kadarius Tony question mark from Juan Manuel Rangel is Kadarius <laughs> Tony very risky. Yes, he is because he is going to miss several weeks with a knee tweak. And I don't know if much about injuries, Bradley, but I'm here to tell you a knee tweak isn't a real injury. That, that's not a real thing. It is either <laughs> a sprain, either he's got a sprain of one of his ligaments, a torn meniscus, or he has a bruise. And it's very clearly not a bruise if he's missing multiple weeks. So he has a knee sprain. We don't know what ligament, but Kadarius Tony isn't going to be practicing for a while. MVS, Sky Moore, Rashi Rice, Justin Watson, Justin Ross, and my favorite breakout not breakout because he's already been steady richie james yeah, let's go richie james <laughs> i'm he's so here for the richie james love thank you jack thank you he's jumped up to wide receiver three with Kadarius tony out and sounds like pat mahomes loves him wide receivers flying off the board here though drake london mike williams brandon iuk christian kirk all off the board but i also see aaron jones and Eric alexander madison come off the board and it just makes me so much happier with your team knowing you don't have to draft Alexander Madison in the fifth round. 
No, no, no. Alexander Madison is a player that once we get all of these free agent running backs signed, I'll draft some Alexander Madison. Once once we see Zeke and Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook and and all of these running backs sign, I'll I'll draft Alexander Madison. I just am not at this point where I feel like I need to draft Madison. I believe he's just a guy. His yards per carry, 3.7, 3.8 each of the last two years. He's had one singular breakaway run last year out of over 70 rushes. I'm pretty sure that Matt Kelly was the one who dug that stat up. But shout out to him. Shout out to the podfather. But the reality is, is that Alexander Madison is just a guy. And so I am concerned that the Minnesota Vikings will find that out after the course of about four or five weeks and then just say, we're going to sprinkle in a little bit uh, Dwayne McBride. We're going to sprinkle in a little bit of Ty Chandler. We're going to see if there's any, I don't know, Latavius Murray's off the market. Melvin Gordon's off the market. But <laughs> let's see if any dusty old running back can handle some carries because that's all it really takes. And I think it's being really ignored by the media and fantasy analysts right now that we've heard reports that the Vikings have a $7 million contract offer out to Dalvin Cook. You don't offer Dalvin Cook $7 million when Alexander Madison is making just over three. If you believe in Alexander Madison, they are already out trying to replace Alexander Madison. (laughs) And if they don't replace him, then okay, he proves to be just a guy. Like he he showed he can be a bell cow in short spurts for one game. But he's not going to do that every single week. And like you said, it's Dwayne McBride no matter what. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't spoil anything. We're gonna be, <laughs> I, I'm tipping Look, picks for later they, in the draft. They they know the brand. They know the brand. Look, there's been how many straight wide receivers taken? This has been decimating. I really, <laughs> this is wild. This is absolutely wild. Yeah. I'm, yeah, this is, this is, could get ugly. Good thing I did get Christian Watson. I think I'm just going to let the board come to me because there is a running back still out there. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, Bradley, you're going to get this running back at pick 68. Yes. Yes, I am. And that is JK Dobbins. Woo! At pick Woo! 68. I would take it Dobbins. I think I'm pretty sure I took Dobbins the fourth, fifth round in some other drafts to get Dobbins here. He's on the physically unable to perform list. He is fine. J.K. Dobbins, this is a soft holdout. This is one I'm not worried about. He doesn't have any contractual leverage. He <laughs> he lost all of it. Whereas if, if the other players, if Saquon or Josh Jacobs hold out for five games or whatever it is, they lose, they'll lose those and they could lose accruing years if they hold out even longer. J.K. Dobbins... <laughs> He's got everything to lose and nothing to gain by holding out. And I like the Baltimore Ravens offense. I like uh, J.K. Dobbins as a player. He was a former second round pick out of Ohio State. Um, We saw last year he was, I think, number two in juke rate. He had one of the highest yards created uh, per touch when his rookie year. And last year he did. He had a 5.7 yards per carry despite having the second highest stacked front rate among all running backs. So he's doing all of that, even though the defenses know he's going to run. 
I'm just going to keep, I pushed running back. I was not playing. I was planning to go wide receiver heavy in this draft, but no, but no, sometimes you just got to let the draft come to you. Let the values come to you. And there we go. Tompkins <laughs> let is- someone take Hall and Judy. <laughs> Oh, Kevin Tompkins, <laughs> happy to have you on the show. Happy you're tuning in. Yeah, even if shout out Sean Hansen. Shout I, out to you, Tompkins. Yeah, you let the board <laughs> come to you. Rashad White going in the sixth round after Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders. See, now there's a running back run. So you missed <laughs> out on the wide receiver run. This is now beautiful. you've started a running back run. This is great. And I think J.K. Dobbins ahead of Cam Akers is actually the, the play. I was surprised that Akers went ahead of Dobbins maybe it's the PUP designation that scared away the the 106 drafter but I'm happy with the players I have so far I've been taking a lot of the best player available I feel like maybe I could have taken Kyle Pitts instead of Christian Watson that was one player I was considering instead of Watson at that spot but I'm very happy with the running backs I'm getting in this build and the high upside wide receivers as well we'll see what other players maybe can come to me but yeah i'm i'm pleased with it despite it not being my plan i think you're doing great so far i think it's turning out very well i am a big jk dobbins fan the ravens are going to absolutely feed him because yeah he has no leverage and more importantly since the ravens aren't going to pay him that means he needs a big season so he can get paid next year so He isn't going to hold out for all of training camp because he knows he won't be in shape. He'll hold out, what, maybe a week, maybe two, and then he'll start practicing. He'll be like, oh, see, I'm fine. I'm the guy that ran for over 100 yards on the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of knee surgery, my second knee surgery of the year. So, yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be just fine. I'm excited to see your pick. Only two wide receivers go off the board in between your picks, Michael Pittman and Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison, round seven. He's getting steamed up. We all know the reports Jordan Addison was recently cited for driving 140 in a 55. We've now heard reports that he was taking his dog to the emergency vet. And it's hilarious to see the narrative change because at first it was i don't want this guy on my team if the vikings don't cut this guy for speeding like this i'm done with the vikings and now there is a certain amount of the population that is mad at jordan addison for not driving faster (laughs) people love dogs oh man mike evans seventh round oh my goodness (laughs) i'd rather have mike evans than jordan addison i'd rather have mike evans than michael pittman Give me Mike Evans last year. Mike Evans wasn't a very high floor guy last year. Only 33% of the time he was even a flex play. But here's the thing. 11.2% rate of top 10 weeks. And I know that some of that came with Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is there are two good players on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And that's it. Justin Boyd, perfect time to ask ask about Chris or love. I love I love Chris Godwin. Bob. Oh, I love Godwin this year. The, the Godwin values. is a, he's a he's a great value this year. I had I drew do it up. I did my projections, and I'm embarrassed to say how high I had Chris Godwin projected. Look, things can go south for the Buccaneers. 
But what if it doesn't? What if they're even like a middle pack team, like a seven and nine team, a six and six and eleven? Whatever. I don't even know. The reality is, they're they're below five hundred, but their defense is bad. They're going to get into shootouts, and their offensive line is buffed up a little bit. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to have the first crack at being the starting quarterback there. And who is he going to lean on? He's going to lean on Mike Evans. He's going to lean on Chris Godwin, and with a better offensive line, I think that this is an opportunity for Mike Evans. We're, we're talking wide receiver 35 wide receiver 35 and best ball for Mike Evans. Last year, Mike Evans was wide receiver. Let's see. He was wide receiver 21 in rate of top 10 weeks. Yeah. Give me that guy over, over Jordan Addison, who I do like the volume for, but we also have the, the, the dog thing is hilarious, but we have character concerns already. There were some people who had done interview scores. I can't remember the guy offhand, but he had done an interview score for Jordan Addison is one of the lowest that he had he had done. I'm sure Cody's dog rating would have come into play as well. Shout out to Cody Carpentier. But I do have concerns that Mike Evans isn't going to be maybe may he may or may not get his thousand yards, but at in round seven. That's such an easy bet to make. That's Especially such an when easy bet. George Pickens goes next. If George Pickens reaches his absolute ceiling, he's Mike Evans, right? I look that yeah, George Pickens ceiling is Mike Evans. I like I like that comparison. Pickens does have the dog rating, so but so does Mike Evans. And Evans has been doing it since his rookie year. So round seven, Mike Evans certainly a value. I, as I've said, I've just been letting value plays come to me at this point. The board's been a little wonky. Let's just do a really quick recap for our viewers. What are some of the wonky picks that you've seen just in your, uh, in your brief 40 something minutes in this draft here, Jack? First and foremost, it's Brees Hall and Jerry Judy at the turn at the two, three turn Brees Hall shooting for upside Jerry Judy. I guess you're shooting for upside, but I, I, I just don't see it. Alexander Madison going ahead of the players. He went ahead of JK Dobbins, Cam Akers. I'd much rather have both of those guys. And then other than that, it's pretty, pretty steady. Some picks I disagree with, like Calvin Ridley going ahead of Debo Samuel, Christian Watson, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McClure. Calvin Ridley went way too high. Let's, let's just end, end it at <laughs> Look, that. if Calvin Ridley was there, he was on my list. He was on my list, Jack. I like, I like Calvin Ridley. You're a big Calvin Ridley guy over Christian, well, over Christian Watson. No, I do. But I look, I've been alternating, frankly, between the two. Yeah. I've been Ooh. alternating between the two. Have you heard the Podfather's comparison? Yes, I have, and he's wrong. He's not skinny, Josh Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Look, it, it, it would be. I there isn't an appropriate isn't an appropriate comp because how would you? What mental state would you be in if you saw on video footage that armed robbers came into your house and tried to pillage and steal stuff from from your family and you've got young kids and a and a family and i look i it's both a head and heart thing we like the profile he absolutely crushed back in 2020 um even with an aging matt ryan and alongside a still very productive julio jones at that point so i it's hard for me to say i just needed a new fresh start i needed 
somewhere that would like me. And look, I'm Calvin Ridley. I've got a new ascending offense. And, and so I'm, I'm in on Calvin Ridley at his price. So I, I don't share Matt's pessimism for Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be fine. I think Calvin Ridley is talented. I would rather have Christian Watson, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, but that's because I think this Jaguars offense is going to be a spread the love type of offense where Calvin Ridley, he's going to have three or four wide receiver one weeks, but Christian Kirk's going to have another three or four wide receiver one weeks. Evan Engram is going to be a tight end one. Some games there's going to be a Zay Jones game or two in there. And that has me more worried than anything. I would just rather have guys that I think are, True blue alphas, Christian Watson, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, but Calvin Ridley, still a talent, would rather have him. And I, I, I'm looking at this back half of the draft, Michael Pittman, Jordan Addison, ahead of Mike Evans, ahead of Jahan Dotson, who could be a big breakout candidate. Uh, this I was year. hoping Dotson would come back to me. Yeah. Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland clicked him, and I really like Dotson as a back end wide receiver three high end wide receiver four this year. I clicked him in a couple other FFPC drafts. So that's a player that I'm, I'm frustrated again. This is a pros versus Joe's draft. And we've seen some wonkiness. We've seen some crazy drafts selections, but there's also been some really sharp snipes so far. And here we go. <laughs> Gabe Davis off the board. Was he on the radar? He was. He was the next in my queue. Oh, and Elijah Moore as well. More That's fine. wide receivers off the board. Dak Prescott off the board. You know who you're taking here, or are we stalling here for all right? I do. We know who I do. We're taking here. And it's it's pretty easy click. It's a pretty easy click. And I don't want to I don't want to push it because I've seen double taps of quarterbacks previously with the 104 and the 102 we could see a one the 103 and i was not willing to see if tua could come all the way back to me i think that was smart getting the tua tyreek hill stack it's no tyreek hill jalen waddle stack like billy but i am big on tua tagovailoa this year as well if he plays every game which we have to believe he will we can't just we don't we don't just assign missed games for a concussion. Those are freak injuries. And so if he plays all the games this year, Tyreek Hill is going to be fed. And when the other players that are getting drafted after him are Samaj P. Ryan and Quinton Johnston, it's a pretty easy decision. It, it is a pretty easy decision. I'm looking at who else is right here. And there aren't a lot of, I'm looking at a lot of the players that are currently still available and they have so many flaws. They have, I can poke a flaw in, for instance, Kadarius Tony is still available. Uh, Dalvin Cook is still available. Uh, Antonio Gibson is still available. We can poke flaws in, poke holes in their profiles or something's not right. Or Chiga Conquo is available right here. Chig is a player I'm notoriously out on this year. And that came just days before DeAndre Hopkins signed. And so not that I was predicting DeAndre Hopkins, but it was another reason for us to have been out on, on Chigaconqua. We knew that there was a possibility that someone could sign and, and Chig performed well in a small sample size, 
But we also saw a previous Tennessee tight end perform a small sample size a couple years earlier, and that was Anthony Ferkser. So I am I am not in on Ferk Daddy 2.0 here at Chicago. Oh, I felt that one in my soul. Anthony Ferkser, now the tight end three for the New England Patriots. I oh, will... that's where he is now. <laughs> yeah, he just signed this week too. He was one of those last minute pre-training camp additions. Yeah. He's going to be on the roster. He's an NFL tight end. He's just a tight end three. And that's yeah. okay. This is the first But he time. was a top six tight end in terms of PFF grade and or top 12 in PFF grade, top six in yards per route run during his breakout season a couple years ago. This is the first time I've seen Sky Moore go ahead at Kadarius Tony. People are worried about the injury and Sky Moore is getting hype every single day. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Daniel Jones goes off the board, taking Tua, looking even smarter, knowing that the person who took Daniel Jones was probably interested in Tua as well. So I think you made the correct decision there. You missed out on Rashad Penny. You missed out on A.J. Dillon. I'm all right with those based on the running backs that you've got. Justin Boyd wants to know Swift versus Penny, the better value this year. Wish Swift was utilized more. I think Swift is a value in drafts right now, but I also think Rashad Penny could be a value. Ninth round Rashad Penny is a little bit steep for my taste, but I think he's typically going in the double digits, isn't he? Yeah, typically that's a double-digit pick, and that that seemed pretty high for Rashad Penny. Value-wise, even DeAndre Swift, we've seen Swift's ceiling, and it is massive. I think there is, I I do have concerns about the floor, the week-to-week floor for Philly, but if Swift gets three-quarters of what Miles Sanders got last year, or two-thirds, or heck, even half of what Miles Sanders got last year, plus a little bit of the receiving, we're looking really good for for drafting DeAndre Swift. He was a player that I was considering before he went off the board. I love what you've done at quarterback here because we're assuming Tua gets off to a hot start like he did last year and he will stay hot every game that he plays. But even if there is a world where Tua does miss time later in the season, that is the time for Anthony Richardson to break out. Love that pick. Thank you. And Jack's not saying that, just saying that either. Anthony Richardson, his player profiler comp is is very interesting. He should be very interesting to all of us because he's a one. Anthony Richardson is a 100th percentile quarterback athlete. He got the draft capital that we wanted. And looking at his player profiler comp, do you remember who it is, Jack, without looking it up? Ah, if I would have guess cam newton but is not it jalen cam hurts newton. is it jalen it's not hurts? jalen hurts who is his comp his comp is josh allen oh it is josh allen and josh allen his rookie season from week 12 on we're talking 25 29 19 18 13 and 41 fantasy points to finish the season holy buckets and talk about a a, a player who could ascend into very easily that mid-pack quarterback won by the end of the season. We think Tua and the Miami Dolphins start hot. We think McDaniel is going to start hot. Week two last year for Tua against the Baltimore Ravens, McDaniel had schemed up the first couple weeks, completely scripted the first couple weeks, and that's why they were able to attack Baltimore the way they did. 
getting the game total to 80 points. That was an 80 point game total in week two. And I think that Tua and Hill and those players are going to be fast starters, but watch out for Anthony Richardson in the second half of the season. This dude is built to last and they, the offense is going to figure themselves out. Steichen is going to figure out how to use him. And by the second half of the season, yeah, Anthony Richardson is going to be the real deal. I think that beginning of the season, maybe that's why you don't take Anthony Richardson in the first 12 picks of your redraft league. But in best ball, oh, this the sky is the limit for Anthony Richardson. And you don't want Anthony Richardson to be your QB1, but you're fine when he has his QB1 week. See, this is the upside. You have a consistent quarterback one in Tua Tagovailoa. Then you swing for the fences with Anthony Richardson. You don't have to struggle with any of the bad from Anthony Richardson. You only get the spike weeks. And Anthony Richardson is going to have a three rushing touchdown performance this year. That is something that will take place. I'm warning you now. So love Anthony Richardson. You look at the guys, more wide receivers. I do like the wide receivers that go off the board here. Michael Thomas, Rashad, Bateman, Brandon Cooks. Are you worried about Bateman at all? Worried? You got to be a little worried. He's had multiple shots in his foot with the cortisone shots. He hasn't been able to stay healthy during the first couple seasons. I did like his player profiler comp. That was Steph Diggs. And it did take Diggs a little bit for him to ascend into elite status. But I think the Baltimore Ravens, they spoke with their actions pretty loudly this offseason by signing Odell Beckham to an $18 million contract. They drafted first-round pedigree wide receiver Zay Flowers, who's been getting a lot of love out of camp. And sneakily, they drafted deep threat Nelson Aguilar, or signed deep threat Nelson Aguilar as well. So there are a lot of weapons. I'm really in on Lamar Jackson. He's a player that I've been comfortably drafting in the third round of a lot of my fantasy drafts on FFPC or otherwise this year, this time I did take Jameer Gibbs. I didn't realize I was going to get all the running back value I was going to get, but I am happy with how the run, the quarterback situation has turned out for me. I feel like I'm winning at quarterback. I feel like I'm winning at running back. I've got arguably the best wide receiver and I have punted tight end, but I don't like a lot of the tight ends in this space anyways. So tight end dead zone here. Anyways, Dalton Kincaid. Really? Yeah, and Zach Charbonnet just went off too. Uh, look, uh, yeah, Charbonnet. This isn't a Rashad Penny gets you know replaced by Kenneth Walker's deal. This is the, the Kenneth Walker's the real deal. Let's not put it two ways. Yeah, best case scenario is Zach Charbonnet becomes the third down back, and he might not even do that. Zach Charbonnet might be backing up DJ Dallas to start the season on third downs, or Kenneth Walker could just take over on third downs. I heard that sigh. I imagine you were hoping Jamison Williams was going to be there. I love Jamison Williams. I love Jamison Williams, too. That's a player that offers massive upside. A wide receiver, 48. Former first-round pick. His player profile comp is Will Fuller. We love me some Will Fuller in best ball. I'm going to go with a player we mentioned earlier, also first round pedigree, and that is Zay Flowers, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver in back end of the 10th round. I'm a fan of a lot of what is happening in Baltimore. I think this is an environmental pick where 
Flowers, we're even talking week 17. Let's look, December 31st, 2023, and it's Miami versus Baltimore yet again. Tua and Waddle, and then the comeback around, or Tua and Hill, and the comeback around is Zay Flowers. How does that sound, Jack? That sounds like a pretty damn good stack that you've hunted out here. Ah, ah, because it's Stack Hunters. <laughs> Y'all should make sure you're subscribed on all the podcast area. Make sure you're checking out the episode tomorrow. Justin Herzig jumps on to Stack Hunters, winner of BBM1. And we're going to talk not only biggest risers and followers, but we're also going to talk about stacks themselves and some first round player stacks that we are either targeting or avoiding. And we're also going to talk about the trifecta stacks who among the three possible players based on their stack ship, if you want to call it that way, are we targeting as well? So for instance, we're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence along with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and talk about those particular environments. Are we targeting those groups? And if so, maybe some within maybe subgroups within. So that's what tomorrow is going to be all about on Stack Hunters. Make sure you tune in 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on this Player Profiler Network. That's going to be a really exciting show. And Zay Flowers is going to be really exciting because as we talked about Rashad Bateman, he's got a foot injury that he is coming off of. I think he is still probably the wide receiver one in talent, but he isn't going to play wide receiver one snaps. Odell Beckham is also not going to play wide receiver one snaps. There will be plays where they are off the field because the Ravens are taking care of them. They are resting them. Zay Flowers will never be off the field for the Baltimore Ravens. He is going to be the leader in snaps. He might not end up as the wide receiver one in terms of total points, but he's going to be running the routes. He's going to be attached to the most electric quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know if, but he know he runs a four three, so he's got that spike week potential. He catches one pass, one eighty yard touchdown, and you've made your day already. That's fifteen points. Oh, we're here for it. Whew. Okay, we've got some decisions to make, Jack. You, you got to keep talking through. All right, all <laughs> right, I can absolutely do that. Zay Flowers over Cortland Sutton, who is an absolute fake alpha. Romeo Dobbs in the tenth round. I'm not in on Romeo Dobbs. Don't get me wrong. Cortland Sutton, he's a fine wide receiver, but he's not the alpha that we thought he was going to be. And Cortland Sutton and Nico Collins are very similar wide receivers where they look like an alpha. They profile like an alpha. They have the athleticism, but they're just not a wide receiver one in fantasy football. They can take wide receiver one coverage and lose a lot of the time. Nico Collins, Cortland Sutton, not going to ball out the way we hope, but Devon A-Chain, if he's able to avoid Dalvin Cook, he's going to have some big weeks, especially to end the season. Devon A-Chain is a player that I haven't been drafting a lot of, but for him to fall where he is mid-11th round, I haven't seen him fall that late. And I'll take the value. I'll scoop it up. It fits with the correlation of Miami players. So if I'm in on that, that game environment. I'll take it. I also wasn't a fan of a lot of the tight ends in this area. I was considering Dolchich, but he's not going to, he's not a player that I was targeting. And, and there he goes off at tight end 15 to the, what is it? The one Oh, 
107 107 so i'm i'm glad i'm just letting other people have some of the players that that i'm avoiding frankly and that's one of the things that we can consider as as you're drafting as well not only who are you taking but who are you allowing other people to have because that's part of the the stack hunting is opportunity cost what am i what am i drafting right now and what am i giving up later and so if i can get what I want later without the price tag of now, that's like the arbitrage value. So there are some, for instance, there are some wide receivers that I really want to come back to me. And I think that they are going to be able to, to make their way back, given how heavy wide receiver was for the, if you look at the draft board, this side of the draft board, the right side, I'm pointing to my left, but it's the mirroring on the, on the camera. But, I think the the 109 to the 112 went very wide receiver heavy, and I think that there might be some to come back to me and to get the value of Devon A-Chain uh, right there, I'm happy with. And it's not as though you need this, but Devon A-Chain, he actually stacks with Tua Tagovailoa. He is a sneaky snack, stack, S- sneaky snack. Sneaky Ste- snack, yes, Devon A-Chain, sneaky snack. He is a sneaky stack with Tua Tagovailoa because I don't know if you remember, but even Chris Carson had two touchdown receptions in a game from Russell Wilson. So if you had Russell Wilson, who I believe threw three, four touchdowns in that game, two of them went to Chris Carson. If you played both or if you were in best ball and had both, that surprisingly worked out. Meanwhile, with Devon Chain, we know he's a pass catching back. We know he's going to draw targets. That's what they drafted him for. And Tua with Devon A-Chain, they will have some weeks where both are in your lineup for you. And with Devon A-Chain as your RB5, I think that's pretty damn good value. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very happy with how that go how that went. Darno Mooney here at the end of the 11th round. That is very early for Mooney. I've seen him go round 13, round 14. I th- I'm pretty sure when Theo and I drafted a month ago, he went round 14. So that was that was a little surprising there. He was a player I had queued up for later, much later. And so we'll, sometimes you don't get your players and sometimes they go a little bit earlier. But but here we are. <laughs> so you're in on Darnell Mooney, though, at his round 14, which is where I got him in the Scott Fishbowl price yes. tag. Yes. Good. That makes me feel a lot better because I, I went out on a limb. Not everyone loves Darnell Mooney. Oh, Justin Fields is a running back, but... I think this is a more consolidated target share than we are giving the Bears credit for. I don't think Chase Claypool is going to be that big of a factor. Cole Komet isn't going to be a massive target commander. I think Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore are going to dominate the targets in this offense. I agree. I think it is going to be those two, DJ Moore and Mooney. Remember Mooney historically commands like a median target share of 24, 25%. So that's a player who, even though the target volume was not there, he was still getting targeted pretty heavily. And, and we can't ignore the percentage and like the, the target shares. And if the bears decide we're going to throw a little bit more, that's the pathway for Darno Mooney to pay off because more and Mooney can coexist in this, in this offense, because we know who the wide receivers three were last year. It was like Equinemius St. Brown, like nobody. So for Mooney and Moore to take over that consolidated part of the target share, I think that's a good thing. I also, 
am not a big believer in Cole Komet. Maybe that's my bias because of the Robert Tunyon jersey right behind me, bought by Billy Musio. Uh, but the the reality is, is I think Cole Komet had his his best season of his career last year, and I, I think it's only going to get worse from there. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. Cole Komet, he's a starting tight end in the NFL, but a starting tight end and a tight end one performance. All you need three receptions one touchdown, 30 yards, and you're a tight end one on the week. So it's okay to miss out on that <laughs> kind of production. Greg Dolchich, Gerald Everett, Sam Laporta all go off the board at tight end. We go back to the running back position, Rondale Moore, who Billy has projected for a 22% target share. <laughs> Billy's not the only one who's high on Rondell Moore. I had him in my initial projections make it into the top 36 of my wide receiver projections. So to get him at wide receiver 56, absolute value. I think that people are underestimating the role that Rondell Moore will play in this Arizona offense, regardless of who is going to be quarterback. And I think the the news is good for for Kyler Murray, he's supposed to miss fewer games than initially projected. So I am in on Rondell Moore because, you know, look, Kyler is going to have to be throwing the ball for to keep up. This defense for Arizona is going to be so bad, and and we could see some big time shootouts and Rondell Moore invest involved in almost all of those. I don't know if you remember that when Joe Burrow tore his ACL, but it was pretty late in the season. It was, I think, two weeks before Kyler tore his. So that's an extra two weeks. And Joe Burrow started week one. I don't yeah. know if you remember, but Carson Wentz tore his ACL later than Kyler Murray did. And so he only missed one game. He missed week one, played week two. So Kyler Murray, I know we've been writing him off. There's no chance he's playing week one, but there is a world where he actually starts week one for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think he will, and I don't think he should, because I don't think this roster is very good, and they should try and tank the season. But there's a world where that does happen, and there's a world where Irv Smith and Cole Komet are not on your roster, and this <laughs> is it, and I'm all right with that. Look, I've punted tight end completely. We're talking, uh, if, if I select a tight end, I'm probably not going to here, but if I select a tight end, that would be tight end 20 off the board. Uh, there are just too many good values at tight end very late in the draft. And look, you don't need to be very unique to, to win these things. But I wonder if the value that's left near the end of these drafts at the tight end position might be what could get us into the championship here. This team is uh, looking pretty good. I'm very happy with it so far. And I get one, another one of my favorite guys here in the later rounds, and that is Zay Jones at wide receiver 60, 60, 60. Did we forget what happened last year? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I said it earlier. I said it earlier. There's going to be a Zay Jones game or two. I like what you're doing here. You're getting involved in these offenses that I believe will be a spread the love type of offense as Zay Jones. He's going to have two or three games where he pops off Zay flowers. Same thing. He's well, he's going to have more than that in a best ball with Zay Jones, where you don't have to pick and choose the weeks you start him. Cause there will be weeks where Calvin Ridley is blotted out by an alpha corner and Christian Kirk just 
isn't getting it going. And so they have to take a deep shot and Zay Jones gets that deep shot. I, I like Zay Jones, especially when Rashi Rice, who is the wide receiver for even with the Kadarius Tony injury. Look, Zay Flowers are Zay. Look, I have Zay Flowers and Zay Jones. It's going to be so hard to keep the Zays. As John Mayer used to say, it's better to Zay too much than not Zay what you need to Zay. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was uh, good. Okay. Among all wide receivers, Zay Jones last year finished as wide receiver. Oh, who? what is that? Uh, 16. Wide receiver 16 in rate of games where he finished as a top 10 wide receiver. Th- what? You're leaving that type of upside off the board at wide receiver 60? That's a misprice of the market, Jack. I did not realize he was wide receiver 16 in top 10 games. I knew he was underrated. I, I love it. 13.4%. That rate last year, better than Jerry Judy, better than Mike Evans, better than Christian Kirk, his teammate, better than CD Lamb, DJ Moore, Devonta Smith, better than DeAndre Hopkins, better than Tyler Lockett, better than Brandon Ayuk or Michael Pittman, better than Chris Godwin, better than Marquise Hollywood Brown, just to name a few. And the beauty is you don't even have to pick when you're going to start him. That's the best part because with <laughs> Zay Jones, you're going to start him the wrong week, but in best ball, you don't have to pick. Yeah. He just starts when he pops off. Same with Rondell Moore. Same with Zay Jones. The, <laughs> filling in next to Tyreek Hill in all of his <laughs> spike weeks compared to Adam Thielen. Oh. Adam Thielen is dust. Yeah, he, he is absolute, absolute dust. Literally Thanos snapped his fingers and and Thielen left this world in the fantasy football realm. No, you were we're totally out on on uh, on Adam Thielen. He was one of the players that fantasy pros reached out to me and they were like, "Hey, can you write about any player you want at all who people should not draft for any reason whatsoever?" And the one player that I selected was Adam Thielen. So <laughs> y'all can find that right up on Fantasy Pros, but you could also listen to it here. I think that's a pretty good decision. I think that's a pretty good pick. You also pick Zay Jones ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster, who I don't know if people have noticed actually hasn't practiced with the New England Patriots yet. He missed all of OTAs in minicamp because he still has a knee injury lingering from last year. And Jaguars offense, Patriots offense, Zay Jones in these spike weeks. I love it. Looks like we're getting a little running back run here. Tyler Algier, Kenneth Gainwell, Zamir White, getting pushed up the board with Josh Jacobs threatening to hold out Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, and then Jawan Johnson at tight end, Mike Gusecki and Jawan Johnson, who are pretty much wide receivers. If we're being honest, not real tight ends. They're They're not real tight ends is right. So Gesicki has a 10% career rate of top five weeks among all tight ends and and that's better than some of the other tight ends that went way ahead of him like the pat fryermuth of the world the the greg dolchitz of the world obviously the chick Conquos. a conquo like did almost nothing spike week wise we liked some of his low volume efficiency metrics but he, he <laughs> it's another reason why i'm out on chigo <laughs> and see i i, I love chig the player I love Chig, the upside, the athlete, the run after catch. I do not love Chig in fantasy football. DeAndre Hopkins completely destroyed that. I am interested 
in Brock Purdy going round 14. Yup. Brock Purdy. That's a great value there. And with Brock Purdy too, it's an overdraft in terms of ADP. He's going outside the top 300 according to FFPC ADP. But that's a mistake because we know Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers when he is healthy. That is a fact. He is the guy that they believe in. And last year, if you take his points per game as a starter, he would have been QB six behind Lamar Jackson and ahead of Kyler Murray. So Brock Purdy, I actually love that pick. And I love you getting Tyler Conklin here. Aaron Rodgers, tight end one. I don't know if you've heard, but back to back to back days, Tyler Conklin scoring touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers. I've gone on multiple player profiler shows, and I have said Tyler Conklin has double-digit touchdowns in his range of outcomes. I have been in on Tyler Conklin for years. Billy Muzio can vouch for me that he has watched me late at night watching Tyler Conklin film like Billy's. What are you doing, Bradley? And I said, I'm just watching Tyler Conklin film. This dude is an absolute beast. He's one of the best tight ends that Rogers has played with. He played with Jermichael Finley, but he played with a washed up Jimmy Graham and made Jimmy Graham fancy viable certain weeks. He made Robert Tunyon a thing. And Tyler Conklin is a good player. He finished second in the Jets in targets with 87 last year. He had 87 targets. He's only one of seven tight ends to top 550 receiving yards in each of the past two seasons. And it's just been the touchdowns that have gotten in the way for Tyler Conklin to be not just a mid-pack tight end too, but a high upside tight end. And I'm here for Tyler Conklin this late. He's one of my most drafted tight ends. I don't know if you remember, you probably do because you have his jersey, but Robert Tunyon, 11 touchdowns in a season with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I think it's completely doable that he has many touchdowns to the tight end position to Tyler Conklin. CJ Uzama is basically an offensive tackle at this point, and there is hope for a Jeremy Ruckert breakout. Some people have been pushing that, but... Tyler Conklin is going to have the inside track. You get him ahead of Dawson Knox. You get him ahead of Jelani Woods. The running backs, Jerome Ford, Chuba Hubbard, Jeff Wilson, all going off the board. Bryce Young off the board as well. We are back on the clock with Bradley Stalder. And he, the tight end who is not a tight end, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, I forget where exactly he ranked. But he was, I believe, first overall, maybe at worst, he was top five in points per target among all positions. He was wide receiver or he was tight end nine in PPR last year. He only had nine receptions, but he (laughs) had 575 rushing yards, 96 attempts and seven rushing touchdowns. If we think it's Alvin Kamara getting suspended, which four to six games seems to be the notion around the league, then they're going to lean on Jamal Williams for sure. But they're also going to lean on Taysom Hill and Kendry Miller is still dealing with his knee thing. Even though he was activated off the pup fine. He's still a rookie running back third round. So it's not first or second round draft capital. Taysom Hill is they've invested a lot of money in him and he is a lot of different pathways to pay off. He could, 
receive a little more. He had 19 receptions back in 2019. Yeah, he, he could rush. He could also pass is the thing. If Derek Carr ends up getting hurt and they don't want to turn to Jameis Winston, like there are multiple pathways for Taysom Hill to pay off tight end 25. And we're swinging for the fences here. We are not settling for our Jelani Woods. We are not settling for our Gerald Everett's or Cole Komet's, right? No disrespect to Gerald Everett. If anything, I do like Gerald Everett. But at this value, Taysom Hill has shown time and again that he can access elite ceilings in the same offense. We're talking, he finished tight end one, tight end five, tight end nine, tight end 10, tight end 11, tight end 13, weekly finishes at tight end 25. And I've got him insulated with Tyler Conklin, who I like as well. I'm, I, I like Taysom Hill at this tight end 25 value the 34.1 points that he put up against the Seattle Seahawks and Taysom Hill has actually talked about how he wants to improve his route running, how he wants to be an actual tight end. He wants to be a, an every down player for the new Orleans saints, not just a gadget player, not just a wildcat quarterback. He wants to be a starting tight end and I get it. Foster Moreau. Great story. Foster Moreau connection with Derek Carr. Taysom Hill is better than Foster Moreau. And there will be times where Taysom Hill is the read over Jawan Johnson because he's wide open. People cover Jawan Johnson and Taysom Hill just sneaks out there because people forget how athletic he is. And especially when you get Trey McBride with the next pick who Zach Ertz is still a thing. Zach Ertz is still there with the Arizona Cardinals. I know he... Suffered the ACL tear late in the year, but Zach Ertz has said he's aiming for week one. Zach Ertz has said he's going to come back as soon as possible. So how many games is Trey McBride actually going to start? I'm not sure, but the other I'm more optimistic about Trey McBride. I I do think Trey McBride is going to he's going to start the season because I don't think Ertz is going to be able to start it. And then I, don't know if, I don't know if he gives it up is the thing. Ooh. I don't know if he gives it up because early second, mid second round draft capital was the first tight end off the board last year. And so I think that the, the Cardinals are in a position to say, look, if we're believing the narrative that, Oh, the Cardinals are going to shut down Kyler Murray because they're tanking, blah, blah, blah. Why would they bring back Zach Ertz? It's the same logic. Let's apply that. I, if I'm following that logic, I I'm still in on Trey McBride, even as an early season spike week candidate. But, but the, the later weeks are, are where an, an interesting debate could be had. I was just trying to prop up your pick. Taysom Hill over Trey McBride <laughs> was definitely the right decision. I get it. Trey McBride. He is going to start the season. Zach Ertz, He could be traded too. Zachary's very well could be traded. And there is a little bit of history on your side as well, because wasn't Zachary's also replaced by a second round tight end previously in his career? Didn't that just happen with the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles with Dallas Goddard? And that's why he was sent to the Cardinals. It, it most certainly possible. did. It is possible. It most certainly did. Yes. There we go. Woo, we saw some wide receivers go off, Jack. We did. We saw Michael Gallup. We saw who's the wide receiver three for the Dallas Cowboys, not the two. He's the three. We saw Jaden Reed go off the board. He is the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers, but it'll take a little while to get there. John Mechie, Isaiah Hodgins, MVS. MVS is a totally a best ball receiver only, but eh, 
I how many best ball weeks is he going to have? Two, three. At wide receiver seventy two, I guess like you're you're just banking on the yeah. environment. But at the same time, the, the Chiefs went out of the way to to draft Rashi Rice. They've been giving Justin Ross first team reps. So I think that there are pathways to for Marcus Valdez Scantling to be a zero this year. There is. There is. And even when he's on the field, he's running wind sprints. So he's going to have a, a big game when those wind sprints pay off, but they just don't pay off that often. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers. We saw it with Patrick Mahomes. Chase Brown off the board. Now he's fallen a little bit in drafts. He was getting way too high drafted earlier, but I still don't believe he's the RB2 for the Cincinnati Bengals. The depth chart doesn't reflect that. The practice reps don't reflect that. He's operating behind Travion Williams. He's competing with Chris Evans more than he is Travion Williams at this point. He could climb up the board, but I'm all right missing out on Chase Brown. All right missing out on Michael Mayer as well. He's not starting just yet either. I believe he will start, but I'd rather have Tyler Conklin. I'd rather have Taysom Hill. Donovan Peoples-Jones goes off the board right before Bradley is set to pick. In the 16th round, we've got one, two, three, four, five picks left. Four picks after Bradley makes his decision here. And I am excited to see what we get. What do we think of the Bears running backs? Justin Boyd wants to know. And we've also got Puka Nakua. What are our thoughts on Puka Nakua as the last pick in our drafts? For the Bears running backs, I do like Roshan Johnson. I think he is going to be the RB1 by the end of the season. And as for Puka Nakua, I think he's worth a shot because he could very well be the wide receiver three. And Curtis Samuel, I don't think people really remember how good he's been at times. He is going to be the gadget player in this offense that Eric Bieniemy is going to be run. And McCole Hardman never became what they wanted him to be, but they had a role. They had a vision in mind. And Curtis Samuel is better McCole Hardman. He's cl- he is the closest thing to Debo Samuel. The <laughs> NFL has everyone wants their Debo Samuel, but Curtis Samuel is the next closest thing. And last year, Curtis Samuel, 24% rate of making your flex as a wide receiver as in the starting lineup. And he had a 13.3% rate of top 18 weeks. So that's a, that's a player who had wide receiver 74. He was wide receiver 40 last year in a rate of being a flex. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of these. If you notice, like I, I do have Christian Watson in this build. I do have Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans, but these are, those are spike week candidates. And as I mentioned in my Twitter thread earlier, that, that wide receivers are finicky and we want guys who are just going to spike. And yes, could I take zeros at certain spots? Yes. Yes. Most certainly I can, but by targeting players who have historically produced high upside spike weeks, that's what you want to be going for in these late rounds. That's why I'm not in on the Marquez Valdez scantlings because it, the A dot isn't there. The manufactured touches. Oh, the A dot is there, but the manufactured touches are not there. He's got increased competition. Curtis Samuel, on the other hand, is a player that can win in a lot of different ways. And I mean, twenty-four percent. That is in the same range as Rondell Moore. It was ahead of your Brandon Ayuk last year. 
there's there are a couple other wide receivers that I'm going to be interested to be taking later on. But yeah, I think I might also hammer some tight ends as we finish out this draft. We've got four picks left for you to hammer those out. And I think we're going to be wrapping up after this or towards after this pick towards the end of the round 17, because you're going to be hopping on the FFPC live stream to break down your draft so far. One pick away, Alec Pierce off the clock. I guess you could have stacked him with Anthony Richardson. I was thinking about it. I get it for the stack, but I just, I'm just not that in on Alec Pierce. I am also not in on, (laughs) on Pierce. That's why I was like, Oh, should I take him for the stack? And I was like, no, I just don't like his profile, but here we go. Here is, here is my, my last on stream pick Hunter Henry tight end 30, baby. Let's go. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry going so far after Mike Gusecki does not make sense to me because I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but Mike Gusecki doesn't exactly play tight end. He's a, (laughs) he's a receiver. He's a slot receiver. So when they go three wide receivers and one tight end on the field, it's going to be Hunter Henry on the field because he can pass block. He can run the play action passes where they dump it off to him. Hunter Henry, and I don't know if you noticed, but scored a lot of red zone touchdowns last year. They didn't add anyone that's going to be getting open in the red zone. You think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be scoring all these touchdowns? No, it's still going to be Hunter Henry. Mac Jones is going to be lobbing it up to him in the end zone, and Hunter Henry is going to come down with it. You get Tyler Conklin, who has been super steady despite the lack of touchdowns, and then you get Hunter Henry, who's not super steady, but just has a bunch and a bunch and a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Hunter Henry pick. Johnu Smith is gone. That's 38 targets, 27 receptions for Johnu Smith out of new England. And as you mentioned, Henry and Gasicki don't play the same actual tight end position. So I'm in on Hunter Henry as a very late tight end consideration. Any final thoughts on your draft here before we wrap up? I know I'm sure you're going to tweet this out. So anyone who's been following along can see your final three picks, but just any final thoughts on this beautiful roster that you have composed. I'm very happy with how I had to pivot in this draft. There were some players that I thought I took Gibbs a little higher than I wanted to, but I, I still like that pick. And then, I made up for not drafting Lamar Jackson at that spot by going to and Anthony Richardson, that double tap. And I like the high upside and the high floors of the receivers that I took. So I think there's going to be a mix of old and young on this team, a mix of experience, upside and floor. I think this is a team that can really contend week to week. And uh, as they say, go big or go home. And this is definitely a team that is, is in contention. So I'm very happy with how it turned out. As you should be. I have been thrilled getting to watch you draft this team, getting to talk while you are on the clock. Bradley, thank you so much for including me. This has been fantastic. Make sure you're subscribed to stack hunters and make sure you're following Roto underworld, YouTube channel, player profiler, all week long for crossover week. We've got some great stuff coming out. Bradley, any final words? Yeah, thanks, Jack. Appreciate you being so flexible and narrating this draft along with me. And it's been a lot of fun. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again soon. The pleasure has been all mine. I will narrate any draft you've got going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.